So let's talk about what collaboration is. Collaboration is the word co-labor. It has a Latin of root, okay? So what does collaboration mean? It means shared work. Shared collaboration is the process of solving a problem with more than one person. We're gonna start with following up on some conversations that have been had in LinkedIn recently. Um, uh, some of them were like last week, one of them was last week and one of them is this week. And we're gonna answer two questions. Number one, what is an expert? Okay, you know, um, and then number two, I wanna drive home the value of real-time collaboration, okay? So the value of collaboration, what is real-time and the value of real-time collaboration, okay? And let me preface what I'm about to do here as something we don't take lightly, okay? As a team, myself, Zach and Vaughn, we had a conversation, a long conversation last night before we were going to shoot this content as to whether or not, essentially, here's what the conversation was. Intellic Integration as a company, what we are really known for is doing large enterprise class systems. That is helping companies digitally transform, going from industry 3.0, which was automating industrial processes, to industry 4.0, which is turning the data that you created by automating your industrial processes into real-time information for making, executing decisions to make your business more efficient, right? That's the name of the game. Everyone wants to do more with less. That is literally capitalism in a nutshell, right? Provide more value for less cost. That is, that's called efficiency, all right? So we had this conversation last night. There are really two things that stood out, right? Number one, you know, what's an expert? You know, um, there, there was an actual question that came up. You know, there was a post that I, and I'm going to go through it. The reason we're not going to pick on the individual, and that's the reason we've kind of scratched everything out because we, I have a lot of respect some of the people who posted here and it, on a technical level, I have a lot of respect. And so I, I don't want to get into a, a negative back and forth. That's not what I want to do. What I do want to do, though, is address the actual points that were brought up. And we believe this is the best way we can actually do it without getting into a flame war or whatever like that. And here's why. The issues that are brought up here are incredibly common across the industry. If you want to know why you're failing in digital transformation, one of the reasons that you're failing, you'll notice when I say the three reasons that you, you will fail is that you, you have the wrong strategy, you pick the wrong technology, or you have the wrong partners. This goes to the wrong partners piece of why you fail in digital transformation. Okay, more and it goes to the wrong strategy and it goes to the wrong technology, but it starts with having the wrong partners. All right, so here we go. Yesterday, there was a post, uh, this is about in reference to real-time collaboration. There was a post from a very influential industrial automation professional who I have a lot of respect for, wrote on LinkedIn. This person has 17, 18,000 followers. There have been articles written about this person. Hey, you know, this is an up and coming professional. This person's relatively young in the industry. So this is someone who's going to have staying power, they're developing technologies to take to market, all sorts of stuff. I mean, this isn't some inconsequential guy sitting in a KFC parking lot blabbering his mouth. This is someone with real influence, okay? So what he wrote was, listen, two of my biggest pet peeves now are underscores in code and people that use the term real time. Underscores make code look ugly and dated and what in 2020 isn't real time. So I'm, gonna, I'm not going to really talk about the underscores, but let's say it real quick. Underscores are, they are holdovers from the old SQL server implementations. You used to, in order to make your querying easier, 
you, especially like SQL Server 2008 and older, okay? I'm just old enough to know this, okay? It's the only reason I know the answer. If you needed to join separate words, let's say I wanted to create a table name with first space name, you would, people join them together with first underscore name so that when they were doing their select statement, they didn't need to wrap the table name in quotations or brackets, okay? That's, the re that's where it comes from. And they developed that habit after doing it for 30 straight days and it holds over to the rest of their code. I agree, underscores are annoying, use camel case, but that's where that actually comes from, okay? He finishes the second point by saying, is there really a point to define real time as that? It just seems to me like another attempt to convince people you're doing something special and different than everyone else. So the reason I'm gonna to respond to this is because of that actual statement, okay? This is, a, this is somebody who has a lot of influence. This is somebody who is highly technically gifted and someone who doesn't understand the value of real time, right? That's what we can achieve, achieve uh, pull from that. So there are a lot of people who commented, I'm gonna stay focused on my answers and his replies. So everyone who is a part of our, follows our content, he, he's very interactive in our stuff. He said, hey, by the way, there's no real time in coding or automation. What he means by the automation piece is there, it's, it's near real time, okay? I'm not going to get involved in semantics, real time, near real time. What we're talking about is the difference between latency, which is late data, data where I'm making decisions about with information today as opposed to yesterday, or with information from yesterday as opposed to today. Okay. So my response to the post. And I want to, I want to point out second. though, that all information doesn't come from the edge. Information comes from MES, information comes from SCADA, it comes from ERP. So if you live in the world where the PLC is the center of the universe, then you might think every, yeah, everything's in the PLCs in real time or near real time, but you're not thinking of it at every layer of the stack within the context of an enterprise, which you do have a lot of data that's not real time. Look at oil exactly. and gas. Exactly. And, and part of my response here was, and I'll get to that piece in a second, is about the difference between what we're used to in real time and what we're not used to in real time. We are used to having automation data in real time. We're used to, when I go to an HMI, when I go to a SCADA system, I'm looking at real-time data. I'm assuming that the temperature I'm reading on the screen is the temperature right now. I'm operating on that assumption. I'm not operating on it. Hey, that value, that was the value five seconds ago. We look at real time as the last 60 seconds, right? If you know, the, all the rest of that's just polling rates and scan rates. But we're saying that's a temperature I'm looking at right now I can make a decision on. When I look at a report that comes in Excel, I know that that report was compiled after the values, the events actually happened. And therefore, there's no immediate action I can take to mitigate the value that is on that data point right now. There's no direct action I can take to prevent that trend, you know, my production number going down. All I can do is accept it look at it in a, in a time box, in a series, and then say, what can we do next time to prevent it? That's called postpartum analysis. It's also called root cause analysis. It's also called latency analysis, right. late analysis. Okay. Interesting. Or another example, if we wanted to use, I think a perfect example was this year's ICC, a late analysis of previous year's ICCs would be after the keynote, after you know everyone had lunch, you'd get together, then you'd talk about it after the fact. This right. year, we had the ability to talk about it while it was happening in real time via Discord. 
All right. So what so what Tamir said was there's no real time encoding or automation. And the original poster came back and said, well, is there real time in collaboration right here, right here in collaboration? That's where it's important, real time. And so my response to that is right here. It is, you know, hey, original poster, we have 647 automation professionals collaborating in real time onto the industry 4.0 community discord server. So for those of you who are not members, highly recommend to join the discord server. It's far out, out stripped what we thought it would do, honestly. It's a wonder to see. We have experienced people and we have noobs. We have senior developers and engineers. We have juniors. We have architects, we have developers. They're all chatting in real time and they're getting their questions answered by the real subject matter expert they need. I wish I had this resource when I was coming up. The force multiplication is profound. What do we mean by real-time collaboration? What we mean is, is it's, it's one thing to be able to search you know, Stack Overflow. It's one thing to go to the inductive automation forums and ask a question and wait a few hours to get an answer. Or it's another thing to search a, a previous question. It's another thing entirely to act as if I'm going to the next office over and I'm asking the senior engineer that I'm working on the project with a question that he can answer in real time for me while he's sitting at his desk. We don't have, there's no digital mechanism for us to do that right now, okay? For the community. We have it within our organizations, but not every organization has a subject matter expert at every layer of the stack or in every problem you're gonna come across. So sometimes you have to go find that SME, right? You got, and, and what we're doing is creating a forum to be able to collaborate with subject matter experts we otherwise wouldn't have access to in real time. That's what the Discord server does, right? So, and then, so we are doing something special and different than everyone else. We are doing something special and different than everyone else, correct. And if you look at the way that the industry is following our lead, okay? If you look at the way that companies are now doing podcasts, if you look at the way that now everyone is making their software, most people are making their software available for download without you having to talk to a salesperson. If you're looking at the digital media content that people are putting out, if you're looking at, look, look at inductive automation when they did ICC. What was the first thing they did when they decided to do a virtual ICC? They created a Discord server and they did that after we did ours. We're having a positive, we are having a positive impact on whether or not the community is going to collaborate with one another and force multiply. Okay. I, I think it goes beyond debate. It's, it's beyond debate. We're having that positive impact. Okay. All right. So the original poster came back and he said, but Walker, you're buzzing it up by calling it collaboration. You're, it's like putting lipstick on a pig. It doesn't change the fact it's still just a pig. And my response was original poster. What should it be called? Collaboration means the act of working together to solve a problem. That's what we are doing in real time, in chat, as opposed to latency. We're using a forum. We use this style to augment the knowledge base of the community. Chat is real time and forum is historian. Both have value. The former is collaboration, that is using chat. The, the latter is not. Is there a more appropriate word to use? And here's the irony here, guys, all right, and girls. The original poster deleted my response here. I actually retyped it and put it back in. I have no qual I have no doubt that he's going to block me and our company by us responding to his his post here. The reason I'm doing this 
is because I'm, I'm a, you're going to hopefully it becomes apparent. This guy is an incredibly gifted developer, but his attitude and his approach and his, his passive aggressive undermining of what we're trying to do, which is really what he's doing. There are other posts that demonstrate this. We're going to talk about it in the expert post in a second. It's common across the industry. Hey, it's not just, you know, this guy, he's a manager for a company, for an electrical company that does automation. Imagine this person is the partner you picked to help you digitally transform. And he doesn't believe that collaboration is something you can do in real time. And, and moreover, he openly mocks it. Now, maybe he's having a bad day and I'll give you that. I'll give it that to him. And again, my goal here is not to embarrass this guy. That's why I'm not, we're not saying who he is or anything like that. What I, what I want to do is use, I want to do two things. Number one, I want to use data and facts to explain that we are not just having some whole, you know, half-hearted attempt to convince people we're doing something special and different than, every, than everyone else. We are doing something special and we are doing something different than anyone else. And I'm going to, and here's, this is, I'm going to drive it home right here. We see this type of attitude you see this type of attitude. The viewer watching this right now, you see this everywhere. We call this the caveman, the citizen against virtually everything. It does, when you say that, it doesn't mean that you're saying that person's not intelligent, they're not gifted, they're, they're not smart. What you're saying is they're a barrier. That's what you're saying. What you're saying is, is that person is a barrier to our success, to trying something new, to, to, to testing an idea using scientific method, and then using the results to determine whether or not our hypothesis was accurate. Our hypothesis was this. If we create a medium for automation professionals to collaborate in real time, then what will happen is we will force multiply on, on their education. That is how quickly they're able to learn about digital transformation. We will also force multiply their ability to learn from mistakes other people make. And the impact on the industry will be, we will have a higher success rate in digital transformation projects all across the industry. And by the way, we don't monetize any of that. This is like the CEO of Yellow Pages, like talking crap on Google when it first came out or something. Like it's, it's I don't know, it seems pretty, I but, don't know. But, but my, here's my point. Companies hire us to identify people like this and either convince them of the merits of our approach or get rid of them. So let me make this perfectly clear. In enterprise organizations, when you try to digitally transform, you will, your team will not be intact when you are done. Part of the process is to find out who are the people who will not get on board. Who are the ones who are gonna undermine your project? We have had projects fail because we couldn't weed out enough people. And what we learned from that approach was, okay, with the first thing we got to do is we have to identify whether people can be helped at all or not. And that's a huge piece of what we do when we're evaluating a customer. The, I, I want to thank the person who posted this, the guy who posted this, who again, let me make it perfectly clear, is uh, technically gifted. And I've given, I've given him shout outs before and I've given him lots of credit, but I didn't hire him to work for my company. Okay. We did not, we made the decision not to consider this person to come work for our company, okay?
because of this type of thing. We just did an, a, a review with one of our engineers about three or four months ago. Very, very gifted developer, young guy, incredibly gifted. And myself and his supervisor did his review. Now we take reviews very seriously here. They're all about professional development. And here was the, the crux of his review. You're one of the most gifted developers I've ever come across, okay? Which means you're gonna operate in the top 5% of all developers, engineers, automation professionals uh, throughout your career. So right now, we're not gonna ask you to focus on technology. We're not gonna ask you to focus on developing your technical skills. We're gonna give you a warning and then we're gonna try and help you, okay? When you are a super, super gifted person, when you are smarter than most of the people in the room, when you learn things in 10 seconds that take other people 10 years to learn, you are oftentimes incredibly frustrated. Okay, imagine that. Imagine you see with, through a lens other people don't have access to. That's called high level intelligence. It is very easy to become frustrated with people who can't learn as fast as you or don't get it as quickly as you do. It's very easy. Most people in that position end up becoming jaded, short-fused, condescending. So what we told this engineer was, you have a choice. No matter what, anyone who comes in contact with you is going to recognize your technical gifts, no matter who you work with later on, whether you leave our company and go work somewhere else. But if you want to be truly different, then why don't you be the super, super gifted guy who everyone wants to work with? Because you're only going to be one of two. You're either going to be the super, super gifted developer that everyone acknowledges is gifted, but no one wants to be around, or you're going to be the super, super gifted developer that everyone acknowledges is super gifted and everyone wants on their team. And you decide which one you are. You do, not anyone else. That's something you have complete control over. The same thing I would say to this guy. This guy's young enough in his career where he could change the approach that he takes to problems. But if you're an engineer, if you're an end user, if you are a customer who hires the company this guy works for, or if you hired him as a contractor to work on your project, I assure you what you would get is an incredibly gifted developer, highly, highly gifted. But you would also get a developer that only does it his way and doesn't consider other ways. What I would say is, um, what I would ask this person to do is to open his mind, open his mind to what's missing in the industry, all right? Oh, what is missing and what is it we're trying to provide? What gap are we trying to fill? All right, so- You know, Walker, uh, one yeah, thing I've noticed, one thing I've noticed with a lot of people that we come into contact with is humans already are resistant to change. We know we're creatures of habit. Yep. But what everybody has to understand is, and the whole focus of what we do either in our engineering and our solutions, whether it be our education and outreach is, and for anybody to be successful in digital transformation is you have to change your mindset. You have to, it's imperative. Yep. In fact, we talk about it with digital transformation. What is it? Digital transformation is a strategy. It's not a project. It's line number one. It's line number one in digital mastermind. It is line number one in our mentorship program. It is literally the first thing that we say when we go meet with a client. Digital transformation is a strategy. It is not a project. Okay. Hey, um, that was that was a good little lesson lesson there, Walker. I think 
you know, being a developer, I've, I've, I've experienced being on that edge of, you know, where I can kind of go, I used to go rogue sometimes. And, you know, given that I'm still young in my career working alongside you, you know, you're, you are kind of like my mentor too. And so to be able to have a, someone to look up to you like that and to be able to guide me, uh, to not make those mistakes. Cause it's like, it's easy to see it when there's an example, but when you're in it yourself, you don't always have that self-awareness. Hey, you know, and by the way, let me say something here. I used to be just like this guy. I used to be just like him, but it was before I had my credentials. So before I completed my graduate work, before I completed my double E, I was smart, but I was insecure. And, and I talk about it here in a little bit. Yeah. People who feel threatened respond that way. When companies hire us to identify people just like this, okay, they bring us in as part of the overall strategy, who's going to come along and who's not? Who's going to undermine the project? Who is not going to you know, go run the play the way it's called, okay? We, we, I mean, companies hire us to identify these people and then either try to win them over or tell them where to put them or tell them to let them go. This part of the reason we're doing this. I realize this, this video may be uncomfortable for people. I get it, but, or this series of videos, but the, I, we felt like, hey, listen, this is what we do. We, we identify people like this and we do something about it, okay? And so what we're trying to do is show you the approach that you should take with someone like this in your organization, the caveman, the citizen against virtually everything. So there was another thread underneath that original post. Okay. So, and again, we're not picking on this guy. This is a, his, what he believes here is common. This is not, he's not unique. Okay. There are more people who think like this than there are that think like us and like the people on the industry 4.0 discord server. It is part of the reason that digital transformation has been, has adoption has been so slow. Okay. It's part of the reason because there is resistance within the community to adopt the thinking, the principles and the methodologies you need to adopt in order to be successful. Okay. So again, really, I want to read this post again, just because we haven't mentioned it in a little bit. Two of my biggest pet peeves now are underscores and code and people that use the term real time. Underscores make code look ugly and dated. And what in 2020 isn't real time? Is there really a point to define it as that? It just seems to me like another attempt to convince people you're doing something special and different than, than everyone else. And just so we understand, we're answering his question. Is there really a point to define it as that? The answer is yes. Okay. So Justin Dean, who you guys should all know, he said, listen, 99% of people's definition of real time is incorrect. So yes, it is definitely misused a lot. He's absolutely right. Absolutely right. The original poster commented to him and said, listen, like the word collaboration, I am so sick of hearing that word. Now, again, when I read that, I thought, okay, maybe he's having a bad day. All right. But this is on his, this guy has 18,000 followers, 17, 18,000 followers. And he is held up as a person you should listen to in the industry. There are people who have written articles about him saying, follow this guy. And this is what he's writing. Collaboration. I am so sick of hearing that word. So let's talk about what collaboration is. Collaboration is the word co-labor. It has a Latin root of root, okay? So what does collaboration mean? It means shared work. It, that's what it means, okay? Shared collaboration is the process of solving a problem with more than one person. That's what collaboration is. And he says, I am so sick of hearing that word. 
Now, the problem is, is that you can't successfully digitally transform an organization without collaboration. In fact, we're working with a large life sciences company right now, and they're and this is the, the purpose of the, the one of the videos that we're gonna shoot. We're working with a large life sciences company right now where the first thing that we're identifying is who will collaborate with this initiative. And we have identified groups that won't. So part of our proof of concept is leave those groups out initially. Let's provide value for them. We're helping this huge pharmaceutical company who has unbelievably gifted people working there. They also have cavemen, okay? They also have bureaucracy. If you wanna know why digital transformation fails, one of the reasons is because you have people like this on your team, okay? Uh, Alicia Lomas said, original poster, but have you actually heard people say they don't believe in collaboration? Eek, that is scary to me. It's scary to me too, except it doesn't surprise us. We see it all the time. We see it all the time, okay? So my response to Justin was, and I had two responses here and then we'll move on. And, and I hope that I illust I'm illustrating my point here. Justin, spot on. Real time is ubiquitous at the lowest, la lowest layers of the stack. That is process and automation events and data are generally viewed in real time. That's temperature I'm looking at the screen. That's generally real, a real time view. However, contextual information, which is the core of industry 4.0 and business intelligence is not. For example, very few companies outside of the Amazons and the Teslas of the world know their stratified profitability and efficiency of their organizations in real time. What does that mean? Stratified profitability is which layers, vertical layers in my business, what is their profit right now? How profitable are they at this moment? Not how profitable were they when we ran the report at the end of the last quarter? How profitable were they at the end of last week? but how profitable are we right now? That's real time. And that, and very few companies know that, but they all wanna know it, okay? They all wanna know it. Here's our real challenge. We have to overcome cavemen, citizens against virtually everything. And when I say men, I mean cavemen and women, but forgive me, I'm using men. We have to overcome cavemen who know no better from driving their organization off a cliff because they cling to the narrow field that they know and understand. It is a real challenge, one that most organizations will not overcome. Right. This is why we accept one out of every 12 projects. And I answered to Alicia, Alicia, there are a lot of people who don't believe in collaboration at their core. We see it all the time. They eventually come around once they stop feeling threatened. This is our strategy with the original poster. My strategy right now is to use empirical data and to use a non-threatening approach to make the case for why it is we do what we do. And what we're trying to do is make him a winner what, or, or a believer. What I want him to do is join our Discord server. That's my goal. What I would love to see this original poster do is join the Discord server and take that technical, the technical gifts he has, the knowledge he has and contribute to the community. And what the community will give him in return is hopefully a softer exterior and an openness to collaboration. That's what I want. That's my goal. It is also the exact same approach we take when we run across this person, this type of person in, in any organization. Okay, we, we identify who they are, we approach them professionally and taken the high road. And what we try to do is we try to use data and empirical, uh, empirical analysis to support our approach. Here's why our approach is effective.
Thanks.